paper? <laughs> Everyone's giving me a hard time because I print things out. Oh my god. I don't know. Right. I don't even know how to use the printer. I, I, I know because I'm a senior RTO. <laughs> And we're live. Welcome back to our Listen Edition listeners. This is program lead for Learn with GMP, Matt St. Germain. Hoping you've been able to get outside this spring and enjoy some warmer weather. Spring, especially I feel like in this year of 2022, is more symbolic than many springs before. Spring is always a time of renewal, but especially this year as COVID seems to be lessening its grip on society, fingers crossed. Many of us are hopeful and optimistic toward the future. As our listeners will know, the prospective future of the marketing and advertising landscape has shifted much over the past two years. But we're also optimistic about how leaning into many of these changes will be good for business and the industry overall. For today's episode, we're very excited to have not one, but two esteemed guests. First, I'm super excited to introduce a returning guest of honor, Sean Downey, our Vice President of America's Platforms here at Google. Morning, Sean. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Matt. I'm really excited to be back. Thank you for inviting me again. <laughs> Always happy to have you. And as a first-time guest, we're super grateful to have Nami Cho, Director of Marketing Science at Google, joining us today as well. How's it going, Nami? Very well. And I guess Sean did really well last time for you to invite him again. So. You got it. <laughs> I hope I get some pointers. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for being here today. For our listeners, I'm going to shift roles for a bit today and take more of a backseat as Nami and Sean are going to have much more interesting things to say than I will. Sean, you've been going around to some of our different leadership and sales teams talking about the shift in mindset to modern marketing that we're seeing successful businesses take in order to retain and grow their clientele. And Nami, you're the expert when it comes to automation and machine learning, leading our fearless marketing science team. So I think it'd be really beneficial for our listeners to have you walk through a high-level overview of some of the changes happening and how we're seeing successful businesses adapt. Would that work for both of you? I, I think we can give you the day off, Matt, and we can take <laughs> over for a bit. Okay, well. I'm here for it. So with that, I'll hand it over to you. Awesome. Well, thanks, Matt. Thanks for giving us the stage. Naomi, how's it going? It's going well. Uh, weather's getting nicer in New York. We're all kind of like, I agree with Matt. There's optimism in the air. So I'm excited. Yeah, a lot of positive energy, a lot of great buzz, which I really like. And it's crazy because two years ago, we wouldn't have imagined that coming to work three days in a row would be tiring because we just did it all the time. Uh, but it really tells us that things have changed uh, pretty dramatically in two years since we closed our doors and went through the pandemic as a, as a group. Um, so I think it's important that let's maybe we set some context around that uh, and then we'll get into the meat of the conversation. Uh, so we know the world's changed. That's like the biggest question that we get our customers talking to us about. And I think it's really important that we zoom out and figure out what's changed and what that means for us as marketers. What we've seen happen in the last two years is that consumers are really driving that digital experience much more than they did when we left for the pandemic. Right. And it has right. a lot of implications for how marketers really need to respond. Uh, right. And I think that's probably the most important thing that we have to realize as we start building really good marketing strategies. 
that means as a marketer, you need to respond to that movement and you need to renew those trust-based relationships with your consumers. But at the same time, you have to evolve all of your capabilities uh, and you need to make sure you're ensuring a responsible, uh, future-proofed marketing activity that builds that trust, right? And I think that brands that are accelerating and leaning into that type of digital transformation are really the ones that we're going to see experience significant and tangible results. I totally agree with you, Sean. And I love the theme of returning to different, not returning back or returning to normal, because I don't think we have to set the new normal. The world has definitely changed. COVID acted like a time machine. It's definitely fast-tracked us into 2030. And with all these trends, organizations have to rapidly accelerate, change, and adapt. And, you know, it's hard to do that. But I love change because I think it's a great opportunity to, to grow and to test different things and new ways of doing. And, you know, we do believe that businesses will have to sacrifice performance for privacy, that actually you can prioritize privacy and performance at the same time. And that actually really excites me because I think there's so much white space opportunity to do that. Yeah, they and can so probably I, even do better. Yes, yes, right? And I love my job because... I don't see my job as only ads. I see my job as helping advertisers provide the best customer experiences for users. And, you know, whatever that is, like as a user, I want that. As a brand, you want that. And so I, I love having that challenge as my job. And you mentioned um, that modern day consumers expect personalization. Can you talk a little bit more about that? What are the key ma macro trends that marketers should be paying attention to? Yeah, I think that's that is like the rub, right? So there is this idea of personalization, and then there's the really extreme variation of let me call it over personalization uh, or, or maybe too aggressive uh, remarketing. And we have to like understand that the consumer trends are they want to be online to find information, uh, and they're also shopping more, so they want the relevancy, right? And that's not going to change. So that means you have to meet uh, them in this space. And you have to start to treat their preferences really well, right? So before they wanted personalization or they wanted ideas, now they're demanding specific value, specific relationships out of brands that lead them to things that they want to discover or things that they want to own or relationships that they want to cultivate, right? So that means right. we have to deliver hyper-personalized content without just making gross assumptions, right? So that's really important. So what brands have to watch out for is there's a massive spoiler alert for me in this because some of my CMO friends might say, oh, I'm going to double down on one-to-one -one personalized content and really just get a bunch of data and target a bunch of people. Personalization does not mean stalking people on the internet on the last product that they viewed, right? Imagine this, because we always have to put things in context. You like to shop. Imagine yes. you went to the mall <laughs> and popped into a Nordstrom's. You looked at some shoes, but you didn't buy them because you just weren't sure. Maybe they didn't have your size. Maybe you weren't, you weren't sure you liked them, whatever. How do you think you'd feel, Nami, if you noticed that as you walked around the mall and went to other stores, maybe you grabbed some lunch at the food court, uh, the maybe the salesperson tapped you on the shoulder from Nordstrom and they were actually following you around and reminding you to come back and complete your purchase? That's, That's kind of... <laughs> Creepy. Yeah, you probably feel <laughs> creepy is probably a good word, 
But that's that's not personalization. Kind of feels like a pretty big invasion of your personal space and privacy. Now, the same goes for digital marketing because instead of meeting you on the on the mall property, I'm meeting you in the digital sphere, right? And brands have to think about a way to provide personalization while respecting your privacy. And most importantly, giving you a consumer experience that means you want to stay with them because they're bringing you value in both, right? And that's a huge thing. And your team sits in the front lines of this because you're helping people understand the research. But what are you seeing uh, when it comes to the shift in privacy standards? Yes, as a data person, uh, the, you know, well, unfortunately, the internet was built on third-party cookies where we can basically track someone across um, browsers and uh, websites and see kind of kind of see what they're doing and follow them around like you were saying because these cookie crumb trail you can see everything and so as a data person we love it because there's so much information to analyze information yeah well maybe too much yes and uh, and uh, we we just loved it and I think there was an explosion in the last ten years of what we can do with that information and. Honestly, I would say as a data person, I was even shocked how much we could uh, get out of it. Because as a user, I knew that's my information. I also know you don't need user-level data to get the insights you need to provide the best customer experiences for your users. Um, and so I think because of this change, users are expecting change. Brands have to reply and respond positively. And especially since people don't know how their data is being used, they don't, and they're not in control of their data and they don't know how it's collected, when it's collected, where it's collected, how it's being used. There's so much little transparency. So I'm totally excited about the new changes in privacy as a user and as a mother um, and as someone who is very online. I'm very online. And I think that as these as we go through these changes, we have to keep in mind that sometimes we will fail, quote unquote, um, in some of the things that we're going to try out because it's all new. And I really love having this growth mindset of like everything's new, but as advertisers, we need to change and kind of respond positively to our users. While we do that, we will probably fail and stumble, et cetera. But that's okay because no one has the script on doing this well and there is no magic bullet. And I kind of like how you, Sean, has said that to your business that we're gonna we're gonna have to evolve and pivot, but it's not gonna be 100% perfect progress over per perfection. That's right. If we had all the answers, you wouldn't need us, right? Because you have That's to like funny. find your way into it, which means you have to have some comfort level with experimentation. And when you experiment by nature, you have successes and failures. I think you just have to be really comfortable about that. And that's a lot of people having the mentality that you just stated uh, of testing and learning, of iterating, of finding better, more sustainable ways to create value, of respecting data for and consumers, uh, and then delivering something that's really interesting to them. Um, and I think that's the evolution that we're seeking. So you have to change your mindset. Status quo thinking for me is a lack of thinking. Our job is not to maintain status quo, it's to invent the new status quo. Mm -hmm. And that's the mindset I want people to have. And that means we have to help customers and our, our partners solve for what's next. That's right. I love I love that quote. Um, before there were smart cars, there were horse and buggies, right? So, and we've gone through change. And my favorite quote is change is the only constant. 
And so, you know, I think whoever can adapt well and quickly and iterate quickly will win at the end of the day. Um, so, and we've been through this, right? Programmatic was new. Before that, it was just broadcast and, and just uh, massive banner ad display. So, uh, you know, this is not something new to us, but I think it's just really hard to change. Uh, I think that's exact, exactly, exactly right. Uh, and that's the right way to think about it. We're we're entering a new phase, and all those phases were driven by uh, new ideas, new access to new technology being available. Like we moved into programmatic because new technology allowed us to, right? And access uh, to more individuals allowed us to. And I think the new level is going to do that as well. Um, so I like to think that we're entering into a new and exciting phase of marketing. Like when I think of change, I never think of something happening to me. Mm. I think of why it's happening for me and what opportunity it presents. And I, like I think this new phase of marketing gives people a chance to reestablish and reinvent it. And, you know, we like to call it modern marketing because I want people to think about we're moving into the modern era. Mm-hmm. We're taking advantage of all technologies and we're doing what our customers want us to do to help bring them value. And that means we have to get into the modern world. Right? And that's a really important frame to start thinking about. And my belief is that modern marketing means we're adapting to these trends. Mm-hmm. We're keeping up with consumer demands and consumer expectations to stay relevant. And more importantly, as a, if you're a business, profitable. So modern marketing then becomes rooted at its core in innovation. It's rooted that it's 100% consumer-centric, and it's always on the right side of being morally responsible. Everyone wants their brand to feel morally responsible on lots of different things. This one is no different than how you might stand for diversity or how you might stand for uh, human rights in the world, like a lot of brands smartly and I think rightly align around those things. I think this is just as important to them. And if you can't do that, if you're really worried about bottom line while you're learning, I think you'll get left behind, mm-hmm. right? The successful ones are actually embracing the transformation versus fighting it. That's right. Sean, can you share a little bit of research that came from BCG and Google about how um, there there is actually data behind this, right? <laughs> that if you do. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah we, we just don't say things because okay. we think they're right. We've actually worked with a lot of smart companies on these things. Uh, and, you know, all the way back in 2019, before we had all these uh, COVID-related pandemic problems, uh, we worked with Boston Consulting Group. And the key message that we really established from all the research of that program was pretty pretty clear, I thought, that digitally mature companies outperform their less mature peers. Right? Adopting modern things and being consumer-centric was better for your business. And better for your consumers. That's a not a huge insight, but it was a proven insight, right? More mature brands increase their sales by an average of 18 percentage points. And they even improve cost efficiencies. They boosted those by over 29 points, right? Real bottom line things to doing things a different way. Twice as many digitally mature brands were able to increase their market share in the last year than low maturity brands, which means there's always a disruptor Mm-hmm. doing the right things that can that can you know, migrate your customers to them. And that's where disruption and opportunity actually converge. You take advantage of all the things that you have access to to start to drive change in your organization that leads to future growth. Right, Sean, I, I agree. This is a time where they um, we can start testing into cloud 
right? To get more efficient in our analytics and more insight out of the data. And like I said, I don't believe you need user level data to get the insights you need to deliver best customer experiences. There's enough data out there, right? Um, even before user level data, like how could uh, the financial markets get really good at predicting share prices or com commodity shares? So, you know, I'm a data person. I know you don't need user level data, but you do need some data, right? And then you apply modeling on top of that because there will be gaps in the data and then where you need math and modeling to help you fill in those gaps or understand what's going on with the data. And then you need machine learning where the machine continues to learn and learn and learn better over time. And, you know, I believe that we're really well poised for that because we have been the pioneers in machine learning for the last 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. That has been our, our foundation, everything we do. Um, so, and I think there's a myth out there that people think that analytics and data machine learning is all based on deterministic like data, black and white data that comes in. Actually, there's a mm -hmm. lot of modeling involved. And I don't think people understand that. So I think that's something we have to debunk a bit that yeah. uh, there's a lot of modeling techniques that is used to pull out insights about people and that we don't strictly take it, extract it exactly from the data. 100%. People are either scarred by watching Terminator when they were a kid because <laughs> they don't understand machine learning or they think that it's, a, it's an input of data that matters versus some of the technology. And I think it's important that we do that meme busting. Um, so maybe share a little bit about what excites you about automation and machine learning, because it can feel like really a black box, like I have zero control over it. Uh, so I've heard a lot of marketers, because I talk to them every day, they said, where do I even start? <laughs> you know, where should marketers focus their time and their efforts in order to start that journey and take advantage of you know those things? I think that they uh, first uh, doing an inventory of understanding what, what kind of data they do have and I don't believe CPG companies are data poor. I believe they're data rich. They have a lot of supply data, distribution data. Again, not user level data, but that data tells you where this, where the demand is, how much supply you have, prices, et cetera. So that can also be used in marketing, right? So I think looking internally, seeing all the data you have, connect all that data together, and then experimenting and innovating, innovating and experimenting. So. There's other data signals that they, uh, customers and advertisers have access to, like working with partners like Google, so we can actually enhance the data that they have and working with companies like Google to then start experimenting and testing into different ways of reaching their customer and that like email campaigns or other online campaigns. But I think it's also, it's more important to start, continue to build the pipeline, continue to get different new users um, so that you have that pipeline flowing so that you can have loyalty programs. And I think it's, you know, you know, advertisers will be surprised that there are customer segments out there that they probably aren't thinking about that could be really high value to them. And that's something that we need, we want them to test into. We want them, we want advertisers to test into machine learning, but that's not, doesn't mean AI. It just literally means like, let's, Let's tell the machine what we care about and the machine will learn and grow, learn over time and get better. Why not take advantage of that, right? Why um, not? Like, yeah, that's <laughs> the whole, and it's the intelligence coming from what you want, right? So let tell the machine what you want and let it help. Right, like having humans do it is not, not efficient, right? <laughs> Just like, you know, we've, we've built them, we have a good foundation of that at Google. We've built the model. We have a lot of great, uh, 
models to take advantage of, why not? Right. I don't think there's a downside. As long as you know there is a growth mindset to to um, approaching all of these things, um, but I do think that uh, I would love to do another podcast, Matt, if you would have me <laughs> great customer examples of, of of customers utilizing machine learning, uh, different types of data, and experimenting, and kind of the lessons, trials, tribulations, and successes that we have had. So. See what I did there? I invited myself to another podcast. She, I'm all for done, it. She's done such a good job, Matt, that I think that we probably could invite her back. <laughs> um, and the knowledge that I think she can distribute, Nami is, is the preeminent expert on this, would be valuable. But, you know, we can't let you off the hook just yet. I will invite, we will invite you back. But give me one example. Okay. One, one client that's that has done this because everyone is always looking for benchmarks. And I feel like the audience needs a little bit of motivation that it's possible. We had a large CPG company that um, we've been working for many years and they have many brands under their portfolio. And they're a client that historically has believed in one-to-one marketing, exactly one-to-one marketing. So it, it was a shift to say, hey, why don't we enhance your marketing by utilizing audience expansion models, our audience expansion models. So you kind of share with us the type of customers you think are high valuable, high value to you. We're going to let the machine then say, okay, we're going to find more of them and have the machine learn over time. So we tested that against a third party lookalike model, right? Utilizing the same seed list. So look, a little risky, right? Because we don't know the model with a third party. We don't know what went in it. We were not sure how they were doing it. So, but, you know, we said, hey, let's just learn. Let's just test and learn. So it was a small budget. We always work with small budgets because you don't need a lot of budget to get step sig. So when we tested Google's audience expansion model against the third party expansion model, we exceeded expectations. We exceed, we we blew the um, engagement numbers out of the water. So that kind of was like a trigger to them to say, oh, so maybe this one modeling, audience expansion modeling could be good for us to start building and engaging with our customers. So now I'm going to take that case study and share it across their other brands and their portfolio so that we can start evangelizing, educating, and building awareness around model. That's right. Yeah. That's awesome. It build, builds some confidence and it gets to that experimentation mindset that you had. Try little things. A lot of little things add up to big change. And I think that's a great ex- example to keep people motivated. Matt says that we can stay talking about this, but we can't stay here. Um, <laughs> so I think we have to wrap up a bit. So, but maybe I'll just give you a little wrapper and I appreciate you joining us and, and you know sharing your expertise. Uh, so I think t- as we're leaving, it's really important as a marketer that you shift to this modern mindset. So if you start thinking about how you can do that in your company, it'd be really good. So for example, make sure that if you have a limited privacy safe vision that doesn't respect consumer asks, make sure you have a crystal clear understanding of how you're going to deliver on these strategies. Uh, get a vision and future proof strategy, get a roadmap in your company, right? Start to align the siloed functional areas with your company because that's going to help you with the data access that you have that's valuable. And then more importantly, really build that agile test and learn culture uh, that is focused on finding new ways to drive 
sustainable value, you won't regret that. That's probably the most important thing that you can put into place. Uh, there's a whole industry behind you. Uh, and I want you to really lean into the external experts, partners like Google, build the future, build great learning agendas and build great experimentation and have you ready to interact with consumers in a more profitable way. Right? I think that's a, a good call to action for us. Uh, so with that, I'm gonna kick it to you, Matt. You can kick us out of here, wrap up, and maybe we'll come back again and talk more about it. Yeah, we would love that. Thank you both so much for your time today. It's been awesome to be able to listen in. You've been such wonderful guests. I'm definitely gonna take you up on being returning guests again. So <laughs> thank you for thank you for offering. I know our listeners will really benefit from hearing what steps they can take to connect, innovate, and experiment in order to lean into that modern marketing, as we're calling it. So, Thanks, uh, Matt. Awesome. Yeah. We're happy to have you. Nami could not sustain not being invited back after I was, so she's, <laughs> she was pushing it. <laughs> well, thank you. It's recorded. It's done. <laughs> you committed to it. That's right. That's right. We have it in recording, so... <laughs> With that, thank you again both so much. And that's it for this episode of Listen Edition. Don't forget to subscribe so that you'll know when the next episode is released. I'm Matt C. Tremaine. See you next time.